Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. What groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist? Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the eighth of September. You're on Community Radio 3CR, and I'm Giselle Hanna, taking you through to 9:30 this morning. Of course, we didn't have、um, solidarity breakfast this morning. Unfortunately, Annie McLaughlin, the host of that show, was unwell today. So. Please、um, tune in to Solidarity Breakfast next Saturday morning from seven thirty to nine o'clock for more news and current affairs、um, and、uh, labour movement issues.、Um, but、uh, we are kicking off with Asia Pacific Currents this morning, and yes, it is just me flying solo、um, for this morning. Pierre is enjoying some time off. In the second part of today's program, I'm going to bring you an excerpt of a speech that was delivered by Tian Shui.、Um, At a recent、uh, meeting that was organised by some Malaysian solidarity activists here in Melbourne, Victoria, for <clears throat> regular listeners and participants in AAWL's activities, you'll know that Tian Shui was a, a former labour movement activist.、Um, he was imprisoned under the ISA, the Internal Security Act, back in the seventies, with a bunch of other. Um, alleged communists, many were actually communists, labour movement organisers.、Um, so he was one of the people that Mahathir targeted back in the seventies and eighties.、Um, since then, he ran on the same ticket as Mahathir this year. So you know, the, again, for regular listeners and followers of politics in、um, the Asia Pacific region, the、um, Opposition force、uh, Pakatan Harapan、um, decided to form an alliance with Mahathir and to run in the elections, and this is the supposed revolution that unseated Amno, the ruling party, the party that had been、um, uh, ruling uh, Malaysia for the last sixty-one、uh, years.、Um, they so he ran on that ticket. He、uh, gave a speech, and actually, one of the most dramatic and noticeable things about the speech is, to be a hundred percent honest with you, is how far to the right、uh, Tian Shui has moved. This excerpt、uh, talks about the election and the night of the election results. And、particularly, I want to notice. I want you to notice how little he refers to workers or the working class or organising or what there is to take the class forward or、um, any of that. I'm playing it not because AAWL supports or agrees with or endorses any of the politics that Tian Shui now espouses, but rather. As a necessary demonstration of、uh, the broad slide to the left,、uh, to the right, and also. Quite frankly, what happens to activists when they participate in electoral politics? Like electoral politics are real. So that will be in the second part of the program. But first up, news from around the region. We're going to kick off in South Korea and、uh, Samsung Electronics. Of course, last week we brought you a, a good story、um, about Samsung Electronics and、um, the victory in getting union、um, and bargaining recognition there. But、uh, 
a couple of days ago, a gas leak was has left one worker dead and two critically injured at Samsung's electronics um, company. Uh, in their flagship plant, actually, it's a it's an event that's reminiscent of a fatal gas leak that hit another Samsung plant five years ago. So just last week on the 4th of September in the afternoon, three workers passed out in the basement unit of Samsung's plant in Gyeonggi province. They were poisoned by carbon excuse me, carbon dioxide um, as they were carrying firefighting cylinders containing this particular gas. Hours later, the youngest one, age 24, was pronounced dead at the hospital. The others, a 26-year-old and a 54-year-old, are respectively in critical condition. Also, Samsung's own paramedic was hospitalised after being poisoned as well while treating those victims. Samsung didn't disclose the paramedic's hospitalisation details um, and had not reported it to authorities. In many ways, a carbon dioxide leak is a rerun of that fatal leak that I mentioned, which happened in January 2013. In this particular case, two expired gaskets of a 500-litre tank leaked twice, spewing a total of 10 litres of diluted hydrofluoric acid gas, an impurity remover that can instantly and permanently damage pulmonary organs and corneas. The leaks killed one worker and injured four others. Despite the fatality and Samsung's attempts at covering it up, the South Korean government brought criminal charges against four executives and employees of um, Samsung uh, and their contractor responsible for the facility maintenance and safety. Only three mid-level Samsung managers were charged. Now in Iraq, Iraqis protesting about government neglect and corruption in the southern oil hub city of Basra have clashed with security forces last Friday night. No serious injuries have been reported after riot police responded with tear gas to angered protesters who stoned and tried to storm the provincial government headquarters and set fire to tyres. By the evening... Protesters had destroyed part of the concrete wall surrounding the headquarters and were hurling petrol bombs through the gap towards the building while chanting anti-government slogans. Protests have swept cities in the long-neglected south, Iraq's Shia heartland, over widespread electricity outages during the blistering hot Iraqi summer, a lack of jobs and proper government services and entrenched corruption. Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi suspended the electricity minister last month and said earlier this week that his government had begun punishing those responsible for poor services in Basra, which is Iraq's biggest, uh, second biggest city. Public anger is rising at a time when politicians are struggling to form a new government after an inconclusive parliamentary election in May. Iraq's top Shia cleric, Grand Ayatollah Ali al-Sistani, has expressed support for the protests. Friday's protests were particularly concerned with the high level of salt in Basra's drinking water that residents say make it undrinkable. The city's infrastructure is crumbling from years of neglect and underinvestment, as well as the war, of course, generating widespread bitterness as locals contrast their impoverishment with the oil wealth the province provides for federal government coffers. At least five protesters were killed during similar protests in Basra in July after local police used live fire. 
And in India, on the 5th of September, and this is actually a good news story, uh, so we'll end with a good news story. On the 5th of September, the newly recognised workers' union, Daikon Air Conditioning, Mazdor Union, decided to raise the red flag at the factory gate for the first time in, its, in the entire industrial belt. So in the morning of that day, the 5th of September, the Daikin workers, as per a pre-announced program, reached the factory gate in the Japanese zone of this industrial, um, <clears throat> in the industrial belt. Um, they ra- the workers raised a red flag of the independent union and the company, determined to stop the program, called the police and administration officials to crack down on the workers. But the workers stood firm. Standing in solidarity with Daikin workers were workers and unions from various parts of this um, industrial belt. And they were workers from the plants at Hero, Hero Honda, Maruti Suzuki, IJL, Toyota Gosai, Ruchi Beer, Sriram Pistons. And then additionally, there were representatives from Mazdur Shangashari Samiti, from the Worker Solidarity Centre and several labour rights activists, among others. In a significant development, workers of Daikin Air Conditioning were granted formal registration of their independent union on the 29th of August 2018. It took them over five years of intense struggle. There were termination of terminations of jobs. Forty workers were terminated, and these were leaders, including the president, the general secretary um, of that union. Many police cases and other government and company repressions, including attacks from police and hired goons. This is what it took to achieve this victory. The tough and exhausting tr- struggle uh, has been going on since 2013. The workers steadily held on to their class unity and ultimately won their ground as the Labor Department of the Rajasthan government registered and recognised their union. So a big congratulations to those workers. We're going to go to some community announcements and then that um, excerpt of a speech delivered by Tianhua. We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t-shirts and so do we. They're a bargain at $20 for adults and $15 for kids and come in black, white, grey and a cool light blue. To nab one of these beauties, drop into the station at 21 Smith Street or order by phoning 9419-8377. Or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Come on, you know you want one. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. Thirteen minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is a bit of a long excerpt, so I'm going to go straight to into it. This is Tian Shua. He's a politician with Pakatan Harapan, and he used to be a labour movement um, activist and was a former detainee under the Mahatia regime and now in the same political party as Mahatia. Uh, first of all, I think again I say this is uh, a great achievement. Um, I don't know how many of you went back to vote. 
and I also do not know lately after the change of government any of you were at home. Um, I think in general what I would say is that people feel liberated, people feel relief and uh, it's as if like something heavy in your chest just being let off or something heavy over our shoulders uh, and just being lifted. So that's the feeling it has. A lot of people ask, um, you know, how long would this celebrative mood uh, continue? Um, my, my answer is it will be, it should be continued for many, many years to come. Uh, and we should actually always remember to celebrate it. Not so much that I want you to uh, glorify and uh, to worship Pakatan Harapan or Pakatan Harapan leaders or the politicians that brought about the change. It is not. I think it was a moment of history when the whole nation crossed that, that step and we took that leap forward that's, uh, that it registered two very important messages. One is that the people, Malaysian, of regardless of ethnicities, race or religions or region, we all came together as one people and to take the future of the country in our own hands. And all of us play our parts to bring about change. And this moment should always be remembered. And sometimes we call it, not sometimes, we call it now, a second medica. It is a liberation process that, like our independence, we came out from a colonial uh, domination. Now we have ended a one-party authoritarian states, and now we move into a democratic future. Secondly, it is also the celebration itself should also serve as a reminder, reminder for many generations to come, just like we celebrate Medeka now. It's a reminder to future politicians, reminder to the future government, future ruling parties, that from that day onwards, the 9th of May, the people knew their rights and we stood up and we are telling everybody, whoever in power, remember this. Don't ever betray the trust that people put on you. And don't ever abuse your power and steal from the rakyat then and abuse by enriching yourself and the people know what to do and the people will pull you down. So that celebration, it is important right, for us, for ever to understand that that's right. So friends, it is, if people ask me what take us so long, no, what take us so long, what make us have that uh, confidence and determination to continue. Uh, I personally, I mean, Vincent was very kind. I personally would say that um, I probably 
miscalculated it. I miscalculated it and I thought it was going to be short. <laughs> Even before that, I say that uh, when I first returned to Malaysia, it was uh, unfortunately a wrong timing. I went and back to Malaysia at the middle of uh, 90s um, and uh, I was just about to start all my work and then we had the economic crisis. And uh, at that moment, uh, my anticipation is looking around Southeast Asia, the economic crisis brought about regime change. And uh, when Anwar's incident happened, I always I joke about it. There was the, the moment that Anwar called for a mass gathering of the people in, uh, at the compound of Masjid Negara. That was the first time we saw mass movement that covering Kuala Lumpur. And for Masjid Negara, we decided that we will march to Datara Merdeka to show the defy, our defy, and also to show that the rise of people's power in Malaysia. For Masjid Negara, walking to Datara Merdeka, it will probably take about 20 minutes with a big crowd. And I walk on that road. I didn't realize that it had to take 20 years. <laughs> so, um, yes, it's, it's not easy, but that 20 years made us feel that maybe we missed one round of change where we saw Indonesia, Philippines and all other countries have moved into a multi-party. Uh, some of my, my activist, activist friends in Australia who have went back to Indonesia, some of them went to Philippines, some have gone to Korea. Most of them have been have retired from politics because they have done their, their parts. Um, today, we just started to be a ruling party. It was uh, slow. But that process also taught us something. We have um, the opportunity to observe how social change happen in those countries. And one thing that I would say different from the rest, which also makes some of the, the people were sceptical about regime change, that how could it be that a ruling party will hand over power peacefully to a new force? And uh, I think that was something that we ourselves, I personally would think that it surprised me a little bit. Um, on the night of elections, or throughout, in fact, throughout the campaign, I was uh, looking at the numbers. Uh, we, I mean, habitually, I don't like, while well, outside we will talk about very positively, but internally during our campaign, I was always very critical. I was checking whether we have missed something, and because we, we know that this is one shot that we cannot miss. This change of government must happen now because uh, we had everything aligned properly. Um, so I keep looking through. One thing that's uh, that quite encouraging is the numbers all look very good. You know, the supports are very good and things like that. But something that I find very hard puzzling is that on the war room of Najib, 
which our spy told us, our intelligence said. <laughs> Rajiv was very confident. He thought he's going to get two-third majority. So I went back to all the people who are doing polling. I said, you must have done something wrong that we have missed out on some blind spot. There must be something that we missed out. You know, we keep checking and keep cracking the numbers, but it doesn't look that bad. Right? Even on the day of voting, it looks peaceful and uh, things look very much on our, in our favour. And when the vote started to count, um, by 7 o'clock, I was in Batu. I looked at the numbers. Even though only 20 to 25% of the votes uh, being counted, I was able to declare we have won Batu. Because the pattern was very clear. Even in the most conservative area, you know, Batu is a very polarized area. We have a very ruler uh, Malay kampong, a very traditional Chinese Jinjiang area. You also have the Indian Sento area, very polarized type of demography. And we also see uh, places like Corporacy Police, where the, all of them were retired. Most of them who buy houses there were retired civil servant or police officers. Even places like that, and even in the camp, the uh, cantonment of, is also in Batu. And you can see the votes. Pakatan leading number one. Uh, um, no, Barisan National is trailing behind by half of our votes. Sometimes, PAS will have more votes than, than uh, Barisan National. So we knew it could not have a, the pattern. It was the same. And then we were won. But when I reached the, the Pakatan Leadership's War Room, which is located, we was located in uh, Sheraton Hotel, um, PJ, um, Made came in at about 8 o'clock, so we had a conversation, and I was asking him, maybe, we, maybe Barsan Nationa may, may not get the majority. But maybe we will not be able to hold on to power. You know, we may not get the, the minimum 112. You know, we have a 222 seats in the parliament. And we need 112 to be able to form government. So I asked uh, Tun M, Sir, uh, do you want to have any contingency plan? Uh, so, and, uh, and I said, you know, it's, we are ready for something if necessary. Uh, the, the many peoples are gathering in uh, the Padang. Uh, if do we need to prepare for any possibility of, you know, the refusal of the regime to hand over power and so on and so forth. But it was simple. He said, if we don't get 112, we cannot form government. So I asked maybe, what if we don't have 112? He said, go and get 112. <laughs> <laughs> so we started to count. Because, you see, we were, we were unable to, to get the whole country's pictures. We were scattered. 
So we have to start counting seat by seat. We call every of the candidates. You know, by about 10 o'clock, we realize that we have crossed the 112. But something that we discovered much later is that, in fact, by 8 o'clock, the police officers already knew Pakatan has won. Right? In fact, the police, the IGP has announced or instructed some sort of a soft curfew to watch out so that there will be no trouble. A night before, a day before, you will read crappy news from the newspaper. You will see lies after lie on TBT Girl. Right? On the 10th of May, with no change of ownership, Star still owned by MCA, yeah, Utusan still Amno owned, with no change of management, with no change of chief editors, and with no change of journalists. They know how to report what is an objective, factual, quality news. <laughs> so it means that the entire Malaysia, from journalists to civil servants to our police force and our army, they were all waiting for that moment. And as soon as that moment comes, everyone played their roles. There was nobody resisting it, nobody trying to create trouble, and all of them received the Malaysian Baru gracefully. And if anyone remember, Pakatan Rakyat only appoint a full set of cabinet minister almost one month after 10 of me. In the meantime, nobody complained about their license don't get renewed. Nobody complained that the stock exchange nobody uh, it was collapsing. Nobody said that the bus did not run on time or the trains are all break down, broken down or crime rate increased. The stock exchange collapsed. Nobody. And everything functioned as usual. Many more people said now, you know, at 4 o'clock, at 11 o'clock, cafeteria in Putrajaya were empty. Because the old man, the 93 years old old man, was sitting upstairs doing his work and no civil servant wanted to go down and drink tea. <laughs> so, then my joke is, I think ministers are not really necessary in the running of government. <laughs> So we have one month or no ministers that you don't see any chaos and mismatch of work. So the whole thing, moral of this story is, actually all of us, we are holding out these countries and we know what to do. We know how to function. And that's why make us feel so great and make us feel so relieved, make us feel proud that we are Malaysian that know our rights, know our duties, and performing our responsibility despite such a major moment. That was Tian Shua, who was running with the 
Now in government, the now ruling party, Pakatan Harapan in Malaysia. Of course, the only way that victory was secured was by running with Mahathir, who was of UMNO. So not quite sure that that's actually a regime change, but you can see how far to the right he's moved. That is the end of Asia Pacific Currents today. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia Pacific region from 9 o'clock on Saturdays. But coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.